0: I reserve the right to change my opinion on something. I can only speak from the level of truth and consciousness I'm currently at. But if I'm, you know, as my consciousness rises, and my awareness rises on things, my opinions on things may shift because I get to see it from a new perspective. And so that's when you're in that work, you're less you're less worried about challenging information. One of my favorite questions to ask people is what do you do when you're presented with information that challenges something you hold to be sacred or true? You learn a lot about people by that. And that's a question of identity. The reason why we reject a lot of things that challenge that is because our identity is tied to those beliefs.
1: I believe that love is all around us. Love is everything and everywhere. I am love. You are love. We are all love. In our divinity, in our soul, in the truest and simplest form of our being, we are pure, unconditional love. Love is the answer to everything. Every week in this podcast, we're talking to incredible and beautiful people who will be sharing their insights and perspectives to help you find more peace, to help you come from a place of love more often, to help encourage you to be kinder to yourself and others, to help you create more happiness in your life, to help you feel more oneness with others, and to help you connect to your higher self. My name is Justin Court. Together, we will help shift the collective consciousness of the planet to be more loving, kind, peaceful, happy, empathetic, understanding, and accepting. This can only be achieved together. It starts with each and every one of us. We are one. And it's time we start acting that way. I am so, so grateful that you're here. I love you. I support you. And I'm here for you. Let's together create more love in this world. Let's do this. This is one of the most aligned and like-hearted conversations I have ever had on the podcast and it's with an entrepreneur, performance coach, and CEO of a global consulting agency. Sebastian Ingus has an amazing outlook and mindset about life, and it all resides in love. During our convo, we connect on such a high level. We truly see each other, and we share a common purpose for our existence, to help serve, guide, and raise our collective consciousness to one of love. In the episode, we talk about surrendering to the illusion of separateness, not being offended by someone when you're in a good place, removing the obstacles in your life that are stopping you from experiencing love on a daily basis, and that the greatest gift you can give someone is working on yourself and your own personal development. We also talk about more existential topics rooted in creating more love in ourselves and the world. Sebastian, my man, thank you so, so much for being here uh, and being a part of the podcast. I appreciate it so much.
0: I'm delighted to be here.
1: This is going to be great, everybody. I am a huge fan of Sebastian., uh, It's really, really cool when I get to have people on the podcast who I'm just a massive fan of because of the content they put out, the love and the kindness that they are spreading. And Sebastian, the reason, you know, one of the reasons why I'm such a big fan is because there's a, a difference in in your approach and and who you are, which I just find so beautiful. You know, you and I don't want to put anybody in a box, but when we see somebody, like you, very put together, you have these fresh, amazing suits on every single time. When you see that, you may think, hey, this guy is just totally business. What does he know about love or empathy or compassion or spirituality or any of those things? And I just, I love who you are, man, because you are completely annihilating that viewer version of somebody in your seat. And that is, Sebastian, that's like one of the things I I fell in love with you, man, because you know, when my brother sent me your content, I saw you and I'm sorry. And I'm, that's something I'm working on myself too. You can't judge a book by its cover ever. Yes. And you are intertwining business world, being, you know, being aggressive in the sense of being a go-getter, getting things done, but you're doing it through love and kindness. And it's just, I, I appreciate so much who you are and the message that you're putting out to the world.
0: I appreciate you saying that. I mean, that you're, you're describing ultimately my mission speak in truth with love, with power. And in a lot of that is breaking down stereotypes and stories. So I grew up in the country. I'm a country kid. First and foremost, if you catch my stories, it's probably the only place you'd really see it, but I didn't grow up wearing suits. I didn't grow up in and around the business world. Um, and I'm, I would describe myself as a deeply spiritual, I'm a spiritual being having a human experience participating in humanity. And so I love business. I look at business like a big game uh, and it is a game that needs to be played and it needs to be played well by spiritual people, people who are spiritually awake. We're all spiritual people, but not all of us are spiritually awake. And so... That's part of the reason for me putting on the suit is like putting on my jersey. I grew up playing sports. I grew up in a military family. Uniform is a, is a trigger for identity or the role that you're playing in that moment. And so I love dressing well. I like wearing suits. I'm a little bit dressed down today. Wednesday uh, Wednesdays as uh, an administrative day for me, but I enjoy that. And, and, um, but you're right. It puts you in a box in a different way. And I, I tease both communities because I connect a lot to the business world and I have a lot of people in the business world who are very doers, right? Go, 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 do, 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 do. And very often they get lost in doing and they have a hard time becoming present and understanding why am I doing right? And they, they deal with fulfillment issues down the line, right? They've nailed the science of achievement. They're, they struggle with fulfillment. It's like, One more million-dollar car, $10 million house isn't going to make your life better, right? Making $100 million more than what you have isn't qualitatively going to make your life better. So I'm able to connect to those people because I understand the business world, but I also connect to what I affectionately call the woo-woo people. And I'm hard on the woo-woo people because I I come from that group. And very often, I'm stereotyping here a bit, but just as a generalization for working understanding, very often they're heavenly-minded so heavenly minded, they're not spiritually effective or earthly effective, right? They're not, they're so oriented towards the spiritual world that they're not showing up effectively in the physical world. Now, there are some reasons for that. I honestly believe some people drop in here just to hold space, right? And to energetically hold space for others. And so I'm not What you do for a living is less about how spiritual or not spiritual you are. But I think you probably know enough of these people where they talk a big talk. I call them spiritual seekers. They're in the woo-woo community or the spiritual community, but they're not, their fruit, the fruit of their life doesn't demonstrate the knowledge they are speaking. And so in my world, demonstrated competency is everything. And I think about, and I'll pause here, but I think about Jesus. One of my favorite avatars uh, of this last millennia right the last 10,000 years. Before he spoke the truth, he always demonstrated the truth. That's why people listen to him. And that's the world we need to move into. You reach people differently when you're living the truth you're speaking. right? And so to me, that's the heart of, heart of the whole game.
1: That's it. The, like, In order for us or anybody to make any sort of an impact, I believe is through example.
0: First and foremost, yeah.
1: Uh, You could say all of the best things in the world, but if you're not leading by example and doing that every single day, then no one's going to really take your word for it or trust you in that thing. And like, I get it. We're all part of that in some way, too, because we're all kind of figuring it out as we go.
0: Yes. Yes. And not imperfection, by the way. Just worth saying to people who are are only wanting to tune out what we're saying here in the, the first minute. Nobody does anything in perfection. So if you're waiting for perfection, it's like, no, it's just in the pursuit of heart oriented, in the pursuit of becoming what you are speaking.
1: I love that heart oriented. And that's like, it is. And that's such a good example. Like Jesus was this brilliant being, just this incredible person in physical form that yeah. showed exactly how we can live our lives so that we can all create heaven on earth and he you're right he showed that every single day
0: And he said it unfortunately a lot of people misunderstood his words but he said i am the way i am the truth he's, he's saying i am the example follow me do what i am doing right mm-hmm. and that very often uh, gets missed and, and there's a an orientation towards worshiping in a way that that wasn't his intention um, which doesn't mean he isn't meant to be admired or acknowledged it's just he was trying to teach a way to show up in the world
1: mm mm-hmm. Sebastian, I talk about this like a lot. Our beliefs are one thing, right? And a lot of people will believe in a certain religion or in spirituality or whatever it may be. I would love if we can change the conversation to stop asking people what they believe in, but instead asking them who they are.
0: Yes. This, I'm writing a book right now. Hopefully, it'll be out at the end of the year. It's my goal. And it's, um, it's all about identity. This whole world is about identity. How do we see ourselves? And when we get that straight, everything else gets in alignment. Right? And that's, you're exactly right. It's, it's so many of us don't know who we are or we're, we're not doing the work to integrate how we show up here. And then everything else takes care of itself. And you know this, like, identity is important to us. Identity politics has become huge since the 1970s. Like, identity is a contentious topic in our society superficially. But when you get square about who you are on the inside, the rest of the world takes care of itself. So that's the game. And if you, you know, again, um, not to get into a biblical conversation per se, but Jesus is another great example of that. Um, And he, the, in uh, the gospels, I think at least three of the four gospels in chapter four, that he was tempted in the wilderness, right? 40 days in the, in the, the desert, no food, no drink. And then the ruler of this world comes and tempts him. All three temptations were temptations of identity. If you were truly the son of God, turn this stone to bread. If you are truly the son of God, call down angels to save you. And then the final one, hey, just bow your knee to me and I'll make you the ruler of this land, right? Those are all questions of identity. And it's powerful because he responded, all of them speaking in truth. And it said then that the world could find nothing in him. There There was no way to get to him because he knew who he was. His identity was fully intact. So whatever you think of the Christian faith or those stories that... The principle that's being taught there is the essence of... Get to the essence. Truth is always an essence. Capital T, truth is essence. So the more we can understand that from an energetic level, the more we can get into that instead of debating the superficiality of stuff that gets people lost.
1: I love that. I wrote down a couple of the things that you talked about in some of your videos. I want to talk to you about this. You talk about something about like not being insulted. Like You can't be insulted by someone... Else, if you're in a good, strong place, if you know who you are at your core and your being, nobody can touch you. Yes. And it's so real. And so, Sebastian, I think a lot about, you know, you, you can't, someone can't offend you. You have to choose
0: to oh, be offended. That is an unpopular thing to say in our world <laughs> right now, but that is 100% true. Like, it, it's, we know this. We, it's Truth is fairly self-evident. If somebody said something to you, that you knew was wildly not true, you wouldn't be offended, right? You would be like, are you okay? Is, is everything okay? Are you all right? They're, because you know it's not true. That Where we get offended is when they're speaking things in areas that we haven't done the work in yet, or we have trauma or wounds or lies connected there, and that's what's getting us, right? So the more you do that work, you just don't take things personally. And if somebody says something that is true, Your position is one of acceptance and understanding. It's thank you, right? Like you learn from that. And so I teach people the rule of three. If you have three different people in your life, all sharing, they're observing the same behavior in you and they're not connected, there's a good chance that's showing up in you. So do the work, but still don't take offense to it. Thank them, put it in an envelope of love and thank them for that insight so that you can continue your work, which is in self-awareness. Right. Everything comes from self-awareness. That is the building block of human consciousness. If we do not become aware, right, the spiritual being sitting inside the meat suit does not take back the reins and become aware of the behavior, nothing changes. This is the work.
1: It is such a and oh you're you're very right. And it is a difficult thing for people to accept that you can't be offended. You have to choose to be. But if we can just be here in this moment and understand the power that actually comes from that. You were not the victim in that situation. You were in a place of immense power. So even if that's difficult to hear right now, totally get it. But just think on that a little bit and start to incrementally shift your perspective on that thought to the one that is much, much more powerful. And when you get to that place and somebody criticizes you, you only see it in a constructive way. You're so right. It's either like, you're like, "I know who I am. that's not true at all, or you'll feel you'll they'll tell you that thing. You'll find gratitude actually from that person because if this person is telling you that thing, in reality, they have your best interest and love in their heart for you. It may be difficult for you to hear that, but think about the courage it took from that person to say that thing that they knew could offend you because they're looking out for the better interest in you and and it's not being rude or mean or nasty to somebody. It's not intentionally trying to hurt somebody. You can be truthful with love and then that, right and then taking that in oh. understanding they have your best intention and even if they may not just still taking in and accepting it and understanding like okay cool maybe this is something I can work on and then going from there
0: 100%. This is the work and it it starts with one of my favorite books to recommend people is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Don't take things personal, right? It's he's created a framework that is so easy for people to understand those simple things, if we can start to commit them to your life and integrate them in your life, it will change how you show up.
1: I can just, from my own experience, getting to a place where I'm not offended by someone's comments, I don't take it personally, but instead finding gratitude for them and allowing it to help me shift my perspective. Like I love new perspectives. Like Give them all to me. I want them as much as I possibly can get them. Just because you're giving me this new perspective doesn't mean it's going to completely vastly change the person dynamic of who I am, but it may help. And getting to that place now where I can be appreciative of that, I'm not getting angry and bitter or negative towards that person. There's just such a sense of peace
0: yes, in me. And when you, when you orientate yourself towards truth, right, where you're seeking truth first, that is a priority to you above all else, it changes how you take in information, right? And so not all perspectives are created equal, not all opinions are created equal, but as you begin to create principles, um, formulas that you live your life by, when people share perspectives and ideas with you that may challenge that, it gives you, you're either gonna live, or you're either gonna learn from it or realize that, okay, the formula I'm working with works, right? So it's, you're constantly upgrading. And if you're oriented towards truth, This gets easier because you're constantly upgrading your formula as you're presented with new information. That's why I openly say I reserve the right to change my opinion on something. I can only speak from the level of truth and consciousness I'm currently at. But if I'm, you know, as my consciousness rises and my awareness rises on things, my opinions on things may shift because I get to see it from a new perspective. And so that's when you're in that work, you're less, you're less worried about challenging information one of my favorite questions to ask people is what do you do when you're presented with information that challenges something you hold to be sacred or true you learn a lot about people by that and that's a question of identity the reason why we reject a lot of things that challenge that is because our identity is tied to those beliefs
1: Hmm. and right and then our identity is there so if you tell me something that goes against that belief my identity crumbles that's why it's so difficult to accept new thoughts or new theories or new perspectives on things when we're so attached to the identity of that thing that we hold because then it just ruins us.
0: In, in the scientific community, it's largely accepted if you don't come up with a new theory by the time you're 35, you won't because you become crystallized in your perception of the world, your paradigm, your, everything begins to slip. Now, it doesn't mean it has to be that way. We can consciously work to continue to keep our mind from getting too rigid But the older we get, the more we get stuck in our ways. And as being a good coach, being a good teacher, being a good leader also means being aware of the fragility of the human psyche where you don't irresponsibly break somebody's world. Because you could, and this is usually, you see this normally in, in places where people are being irresponsible with information, where you could share something with somebody that they're not ready to hear and do more harm than good. Because you could destroy their, their view of the world, but if it isn't replaced with anything, they lose, they become disanchored. Right. And I've seen people go through that and come out the other side beautifully, but it's a very painful process and not one that I personally believe is on us to force on anyone. Right. You simply present the information, it is for them to do with it. And where we get in trouble, I think, is where we become emotionally invested in somebody else seeing a truth they're not ready to see. And we browbeat them with it, we force it on them. And we do, I think we do more harm than good in those scenarios, right? And so when somebody responds to a video, and, and largely, I think, um, largely I think most of my videos have been, um, the, the response has been positive, but there's always people who, who aren't, right? It's like the, the person can only speak from their level of consciousness and understanding. So there's no judgment on my end, right? And if they're not inquiring, if they're not asking questions, which comments rarely come with questions, they're usually you know, a statement. There's nothing for me to add. I don't feel a need to defend it. If they ask questions, I'm happy to clarify, but I release them to where they're at. And I'm fully understanding that those who have ears to hear will hear. Those who have the ability to understand will. And it's funny that, you know, starting with our conversation in the beginning, most of my content has been business oriented, But people who are spiritually inclined hear the spiritual truths I'm speaking. And that's the goal. My goal is I know those who have the the ability to consciously understand what I'm hearing will hear it. But I'm able to reach people in the business community who maybe aren't quite there yet because they're listening to me because they see me through a different lens, which allows me to, to particular to particular truth. So.
1: Sebastian, that is the the beauty of, I think, of this whole situation. That's something that I've been thinking about just leading up to this conversation with you is that, you know, and again, in watching a lot of your videos, we talk about very, very, very similar things. It's like wild how, how, in, how aligned that we are, but we're both needed. It's all needed. It's always end. It's never me or Sebastian or me or someone else or Sebastian. Or, it's never that. It's all of us because... You, Sebastian, are going to connect and touch with people that I would never have the opportunity to connect with, and right? People. I say that again.
0: And, and you, the same, right? You were able to reach an audience that maybe I'm not able to reach. But I think long we're long past the days of, in this particular millennial cycle, anyway, we're long past the days of a teacher, a guru, a a. Uh, an avatar, a God, or like this savior to the world, right? This is, and I don't mean this in a humanistic way, and I don't mean this in any way to uh, to discount God at all. And, And as you get to know me, I probably wouldn't need to explain that, but this is a time period where humanity is going to step up. Not a single person, but humanity will share with one voice the truth that they know, the truth that they remember. And it will take all of us speaking together in harmony that's going to bring radical change to this world, not one person. And that's mm-hmm. the, the heart of all of this, which is why I love the, the title of your, your your podcast and your social media handle. That's it. It's all of us doing the work together. And that it takes all of us in interdependence doing the work together, not looking for one person to do it, which is why I am... You pay attention to the context in which I speak. I am not a big fan of teaching people what to think. I am very much focused on teaching people, giving people tools on how to think, because then it's simply them doing the work and beginning to uncover and remember the truths that they have forgotten, not listening to somebody else. I would long term, I would never want somebody to say, oh, I only believe that because of Sebastian or Sebastian says, like, the work isn't done if somebody's appealing to me. Right. They need to understand that for themselves, not because like I say this, out joking to people because they get it. But nobody's walking around telling you that they believe two plus two equals four because of their kindergartner teacher. And nobody would say that like that. Would, we would all kind of be puzzled to be like, well, no, two plus two equals four because it's self-evident. Right. You've done the work. Well, there's a lot of people walking around espousing spiritual truths that they haven't integrated and they don't know. So they cite somebody else as the reason they believe that. Well, when you've done the work, there's no need and no disrespect to any avatar or anybody who spoke truth on earth. But King Solomon sends the word. There's nothing new under the sun. Right? When you've done the work, there's nothing to cite. You understand it. It's integrated part of you. So my goal is to help humanity integrate those truths, not claim somebody else's. Now, in the short term, while you're learning, it is completely viable and useful to appeal to somebody else's work and experience in your own development. But at some point, you have to own those truths where they're no longer something you were taught. It's something you, you know to be true on your own. Does this make sense? Uh,
1: thank you for that. Because as you were just saying that, it reintegrated more in me. Like, that is it. This is the word. It, it literally is never, ever through somebody else. It's always through you. Yes. Us, me, yes.
0: Right, that's it. you can't convince somebody of something they don't want to hear or they don't want to believe. All we can do is hold energetic alignment and consciousness at a level that supports somebody else's growth. But ultimately, it's on them to do the work. Which is three main illusions that we have to surrender. One is the illusion of control. We waste so much energy trying to control things that is not for us to control. Right, we can't. There's certain things in the world that are outside of our our egoic control actually. And the irony of that is once you surrender the illusion of control, you have far more influence and control than you realize, but it's only when you surrender egoic control that that even becomes possible to understand.
1: Uh, you know, I'll say there's a, there's a book called, I've talked about it on the podcast before. It's called conversations with God. And Oh my That's gosh. It. And it's so good. And in the fourth book, it's the awaken it's awakening the species. And that's what it is. The invitation is for each person to individually awaken, to do the work and to, and you mentioned this before too, it is to remember.
0: Yes. We already know. Yeah. Deep truth is a remembering, right? It's not a mental ascension. The mind is a, is, is a computational tool. It isn't designed to, to, to defer or um, discern truth from falsehood. It's actually pretty, pretty horrific at, at discerning truth from falsehood because it's, heavily reliant on the programs it's using, just like a computer, just like any other computer. So your mind isn't really meant for truth and falsehood. It's a way of processing information. It's a computational tool that was largely designed for the third dimension to keep you alive so you can exist, survival. But deep truth, capital T truth, comes from the heart, which is why when somebody speaks truth, you'll express it as that bears witness to me. It's not a new truth. It's a remembering of something that you have forgotten. Right, and you'll feel it here more than you will here, right?
1: Yeah, you literally do. You—that's what it is. It's not like a—it's not. It's not a mind thing at all. It's you okay. just feel it in every part of your being that this is true. It is a knowing beyond the mind.
0: Yes, and this is where I love science. I'm a huge fan of science, and we needed science uh, It got us under the out of the shadow of of religion but it became the antithesis to religion and what happens is when you do that when we react to error we very often cause more error and now science in 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 our day and age has become the catholic church can't question anything we are the superior intellect we know all truth right this is it's like it's a hilarious which is historically this is what we do when we react to error we cause more error But the problem with science is it can only go as far as the first three dimensions, right? And, and so there are lots of things it cannot account for. And I think it's, it's thrived the last couple hundred years because it was really picking up the low hanging fruit, the things that needed to be structured and understood, but as it's getting to its fringes of what it understands, it's running into its limitations and having a very hard time with that. And you're going to see spiritual technology come back on the scene. And you see that, right? You said art and literature, I think, um, Plato is, maybe it was Aristotle, Plato Aristotle said the art of literature, the art and literature of today is a foreshadow of tomorrow. And it's absolutely true where if you see the great works in arts and literature and entertainment, they're foreshadowing, a, they're foreshadowing spiritual truths that are coming into fruition in the way that the collective can assimilate that information. So look at the Star Wars series, for instance. Star Wars is a great example of this, really largely inspired by Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. But in in the late 70s, uh, early 80s, when the first ones came out, the human mind had no way to understand or comprehend much of what was being taught. Forty years later, we have operating either hypothesis or understanding of the technology necessary to live in a world like that. And our understanding of the world from a um, a neurology standpoint has largely changed. Well, if you want to introduce spiritual truths into humanity, one of the ways to impact the collective is through art and literature, music, entertainment, because it's absorbed at a level that it won't be rejected because it's labeled fiction, right? And then those truths integrate, those pr- principles begin to integrate, and now the real work begins.
1: So wild. It's like we're at a place where we can't receive that information, like kind of like logically, we need to right. see it in another form in order right. for it to start to seep into us and into that truth.
0: And as you remember, it's part of it is the brain is only as effective as the programming, right? So it's, and a lot of people don't understand this. I'll explain, I'll ask, I'll say, you had a calculator and you put five plus five in the calculator and the calculator came back with 11. Is the calculator wrong? And most people immediately go, of course, it's wrong. Well, they're looking at it because they know math. Math, five plus five is 10, not 11. So no, the calculator is not wrong. The programming is wrong. Well, Your your mental, your ability to mentally ascend to something or understand something is largely predicated on the program you're using to discern your world. So if you if you're too intellectual, if you mentalize everything, you will find limits to how far you can go with it because your programming is limited. Mm -hmm. So this is hard for a lot of people, especially in Western society, to get their head around because we want to intellectualize the fuck out of everything. That's how we want to make sense of our world because we think it's safe. Until it hits its limits. Try intellectualizing love. People have tried. It's pretty hilarious.
1: It is interesting because we do. We we have to figure it out in our minds. And if it doesn't make sense that way, we're like, well, that's it. It doesn't make sense. This doesn't exist. This can't be, just because it's pushed past the barrier of our thinking mind.
0: Which is not to say to reject logic or rationale. Right. (laughs) I'm not saying that. Don't toss your mind out for a number of reasons. Don't do that. But questions I like to ask, is this true? How do I know this is true? What if it wasn't true? Right? Or um, how could this be? Right? So when you're presented with information that challenges what you think to be true, instead of openly rejecting it, go through the exercise of inquiry. Curiosity is such a powerful tool in your own development. So somebody says something that's super wild, like, well, how could this be true? And I like to use examples and things that people can back test in their own life, where they can take the formula I'm using, go into their own life and go, well, how has this showed up in my life? Maybe I'm not aware of it. But now that I look back at it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen this. Yep, this has shown up before. Oh, okay. Now I have a a personal working model of this truth.
1: Amazing, man. And something that uh, we touched on a few minutes ago, that, uh, something that you said, and it just, again, aligns with so many things I believe in. And what really made this even link more for me, Sebastian and who you are through spirituality, the people that you're able to touch again, that I may not be able to, or someone else may not be able to, that's why it's all needed. It's like, there are literally infinite perspectives that exist and every right and every single one isn't going to connect to the same thing of course not and like sebastian you yourself man have opened up my eyes to the idea and realm that there are and of course there are spiritual people within business within finance within marketing within all of these different sectors of course there are and i love how you tie because it's always both it's business and it's spirituality they're both and you yes. tie them in together so brilliantly. And one of the things that you had said is the greatest gift you can give to another or to anyone is your own personal development. Yes. And I'm just want to, I'm going to tie, I'm going to connect the dot over to Ram Das, One of the most brilliant spiritual teachers who has existed said, quote, Big I fan. can say it again.
0: Big fan. I, I had, a, yeah. <laughs> uh, had some fun conversations with him. He's a oh, character. Wow.
1: wow. That's you have to talk to Ram Dass. That's that's pretty incredible. And one of the things that he says is, I can do, and this is this is it. I can do nothing for you but work on myself. You can do nothing for me but work on yourself. Yes. And it ties back to what we said before that the awakening isn't Sebastian or myself being this incredible godlike person that's going to shift everything. It is us all doing it individually, taking little things from people that you need. I've done it. I've taken things from Sebastian. I've taken things from Ram Das, but I don't identify myself as Ram Das or you, or only believing the things that you believe in. I'll hear these things, I'll digest them, and then I see them through my own filter.
0: Perfect. This is the work. And and here's the thing. At the end of the day, there is spiritual truth and spiritual technology that are, uh, I will use the word absolute, Um, though that may throw people off. Sometimes the word absolute is a scary one. But there there are truths that I would say are eternal. They're not changing. And so I don't have to worry about trying to force somebody to see those truths. All I need to do is give them the tools to do the work and they will discover those truths on their own. And so it may start out where you have all these different perspectives and all of these different opinions. But as people do the work, those opinions begin to scale down. Now, their expression and flavor of those truths may be slightly different, which is great because they can reach more people that way. But it's like, if you look within the the world of business and you study success literature, well, success literature is, they're all kind of saying the same thing. If you you study successful people all the way back to King Solomon, right? And, And all the way up until today, and you start paying attention to the principles they lived their life by, if you start paying attention to the things they did to get to where they're at, more or less, they're all operating from the same set of principles. It wasn't like they sat down together and and canonized uh, success principles and said, okay, okay, here's the ones we all agree on are the real ones. No, it was written over thousands of years. They came to those same truths, in many cases, independently in the process of doing the work. As you do the work, these things become self-evident. And so it's less about trying to convince somebody of a truth and more about giving them the tools to do the work. Because if they do the work, they'll start arriving at the same conclusions, right? And then you, you, you pass all the mental bullshit that, that people def, you know, get stuck in. So just give them the tools to think. How to think okay, different about the world and, and the rest will take care of itself.
1: Again, okay, man, thank you so much for that because that is helping me shift into a more powerful place to help people. Yes. That's what I'm that's what I'm here for. I feel like it's similar with you. I I just want to help people look at life through the lens of love a little bit more often and find peace in their day more often, find joy, just connect to the truth of our oneness and connect to the truth that we are the energy of love. That is who we are at our core, at our being and just helping people connect to that and that is the way to do it. It's never, and I, I, I've learned this, it's never forcing, it's never controlling anybody, but it really is putting out the information and helping them have the tools to do it on their own. I've always kind of thought about it as putting it out there for that person, you know, informing or educating them. I'm like, okay, now you know this truth, now go. But it, it, it's really more giving them the tools so that they can take that information and then on their own, figure, like, figure it out on their own. Not again, like you said, saying it, well, Justin said this, so I believe it. But like, Justin said this, I did the work and that is truth within me.
0: Yes. Truth needs no defense, right? If you're, if you're teaching truth, it will, it will defend itself. Yeah. And then, and then people will subscribe to the truth, not you. Yes. <laughs> which may or may not always be the same thing. The best, I think the best humans can do is commit to not lying, which is not necessarily the same thing as always speaking truth because we speak from our level of understanding. Right? I would say, I would define lying as consciously saying something we know isn't true. But... You could say something you believe to be true that is inaccurate, which is not, in my opinion, lying. It's mm-hmm. speaking from your level of consciousness. So mm-hmm. our goal then is simply to strip away those things that keep us in the dark. And so I love what you're saying about love. Love is our birthright. And I, you know, some of the videos that I, I think I've had the most views on are where I talk about love. I had a, a couple of them over 10 million views simply because Love is a topic that is very hard for a lot of people to get their head around, right? get their head around, and so they struggle with this idea, so this concept of love. And and I would offer, and for those who have a hard time believing this, I would just ask, how could this be true? But I would offer that love isn't something you have to fight for. It isn't something you have to create. It's not even something you have to go seek out or go find. All you have to do is remove whatever obstacles you've put in the way of experiencing love right now, right? Where, where have we chosen to value something more than love? And, and in my experience, it's usually on the spectrum of fear. Yep. Fear is the opposite of love. And so to the degree in which we don't to the degree in which we know fear, we don't know love. But to The degree in which we know love, we don't know fear and and you know from a a biblical perspective and i'm certainly happy to reference other spiritual texts too but um the number one commandment in the bible is do not fear by times mentioned it is the it is the the number one commandment do not fear why fear is the opposite of love what is the teaching of, of christ to love your neighbor as yourself and to love your god right his message was one of love the opposite of fear and if you look at humanity and you back test when humanity really gets itself in a, in a bad place, it's when it's responding or reacting out of fear. And you see this, look at twenty to 2022, right? The, 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 our COVID response and the pandemic, the amount of shit that came out of that two-year period is a beautiful use case on what happens when humans become fearful. We're not any better than any other animal. We behave just like all the other animals. Uh, and so, anyway. Yeah,
1: I mean... See, and I, again, Sebastian, thank you again. Cause I think about love all the time, right? How we can, how we can push out more love, what we can do, how I can be an example of that. And to think about it that way, cause a lot of the times, right, we are, it's either we're choosing love or fear. And for me, I've always just been like, it's just a choice. You're just choosing one or the other. But it's really like you are holding fear at a higher place in that moment than you are holding love to be. And then you are choosing that direction and you're, you're right. The love is always there. Love is infinite. It's infinitely abundant. It is always here. Nice. It is just us. Actually, I never thought about it as removing the obstacle, but it is us just removing those things that are placing that block. Because if something's infinite, abundant always there, that means we should be able to receive it at all times unless we're blocking it by something else. And you're right. Fear, anxiety, whatever these other things can be, are the thing that is creating that stop gap. And Disallowing that love to flow to us
0: I like to use the, the, the example of the, the sun, right The sun is never present, and in most spiritual texts, it's usually the you know is referenced as God or um, you know the, the light that covers the world. so however you want to see that, but just think of the physical sun. The physical sun is always present. It is always here now, whether we're feeling the sun or not is not has nothing to do with the sun. The sun is always present. We simply use things to either protect or cover ourselves from the sun, or there's clouds that, that, that um, block out the sun, but the sun is always present. All you have to do is remove whatever obstacles you have put in the way from experiencing the sun. Hmm. That's love. Love is ever present. It is always around you at all times. And to the degree in which we've surrendered the illusion of separation, or, um, we are able to, to surrender the idea of fear, right? So if, if, if we live in fear, the areas of fear in our life are simply areas where we have not surrendered the illusion or of separateness, right? And that, that's the work. So you can lean into that. Like, okay, well, what am I really afraid of here? What is it that is driving this decision? And that gives you a place, a crack of light to get in to become more aware of what do I believe about the world? What must I believe about myself or others to respond in this way? Now that's a crack of light that allows more awareness in. Well, what is your story about a thing? We don't see the world the way it is. We see the world the way we are. So our stories about things are a reflection of our internal belief system, which gives us an opportunity and awareness to change if we want to.
1: If if we want to. And I'd love to dive into that more, uh, surrendering the illusion of separateness. What do you, What do you mean? Well, of course, we're separate, Sebastian. I'm here. You're there. Something else is over there. Of course, we're separate.
0: Yeah. And, and which is largely illusion, much like time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, everything is energy, right? And, and we were created in energy and we are energy and we are not separate. Now we participate. It would be like, it does not mean we, sometimes when people hear that they start of the illusion of separateness or specialness, it can be disheartening because especially from an egoic consciousness, we create value in the world by feeling separate from the world humans are fantastic at this, creating separation between us and the rest of nature, which is horrific for nature and our world. Uh, But we like to think of ourselves as separate. And in many cases, we like to think of ourselves as special. Sometimes we are special to the upside, right? We have a, a greater calling or more gifts or more talent or more ability, right? You see that side of the egoic structure. And then you also see I'm special in my suffering, you don't know what my suffering is like. You don't know what I've been through. In either case, the, ego, the egoic construct loves to feel special and separate, right? Part of the work is, is surrendering these belief systems back from where they came from so you can see the nature of reality mm-hmm. and see that you are part of a bigger whole. And in that case, I would look at it like every sun ray, although individual, is still part of the sun every wave is still part of the ocean every leaf is still part of the tree we are there is an individuation to the expression of creation but we are still part of the whole and this is where many of us disconnect and lose it right? and then we don't act as if we're part of the whole so what do you think is going to happen when you keep thinking you are separate from the whole and what kind of world are we going to create when we keep thinking we're separate from everything else and that's when you get back to a heart-centered, love-oriented worldview, separateness begins to surrender. And if for anybody who's, who's ever um, either made love or been in a flow state on a mountain or surfing, like oneness is one of the descriptions of that experience. Why? You're wrapping everything in an envelope of love, and with love comes this experience of oneness, this lack of separation between two, and 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 so. For those who've experienced that, you can backtest what I'm saying and go, yeah, I have experienced that. I know exactly what that's like. Well, those, when you ask somebody for their mountaintop experiences, like, hey, what's the most incredible moments of your life? They will describe those moments. Totally present, felt one with my environment or one with what I was doing, right? And love is one of the expressions or one of the, the words that they would use. So then the question is, if you, all of your mountain life, mountaintop experiences come from that, why do we, why do we ever leave those moments? What keeps us from staying there? Now, we know from a neurochemical standpoint, you can't stay in flow for too long or your brain would fry. But you can stay in a, in, in a heart-centered, love-centered position. Right? And, and, and that is simply the practice of removing whatever we're finding more valuable than love. And from that place, we can create.
1: I, this conversation, I, I just our oneness and understanding that we are one, that we are not separate. And that's why I was asking you that question before, Sebastian. I'm like, Sebastian, how are we one? I'm here, like the separateness, because that's normally what people ask and what people have asked me before. They're like, what do you, of course, there's a separation here. We are, at least in my thought and belief, and if you don't have the same belief, I have nothing but love for you. I have gratitude that we're different and you're unique and I'm unique and we have these different ideas. My thought and belief of it is that we are literally, we're all a part of the one. We're all a part of God. We are just physical manifestations of source, of God, of you divinity. Exactly. That's the thing. We are, we're singularities, diff, we're, we're multiples. We're, we're diverse, unique singularities of the singular.
0: 100%. So I work in, I work in software, I work in tech quite a bit, and, and I would explain it like this. Salesforce is a program that is developed with separate instances for individual companies. It's all Salesforce, but each is a separate instance, a unique expression of the utility of the program. Humanity, the spirit, is a separate instance or a unique expression of the whole. So once, it's ironic because once you surrender the egoic construct of specialness or separateness, You then can begin to appreciate the uniqueness of who you are and your role and how you get to show up in the world. Very hard to do that as long as you're holding on to this egoic construct of what you think specialness and separateness is. But it isn't to say that we aren't special, right? We are. All of us are. And sometimes that is, you know, it can feel like an oxymoron. Well, if we're all special, none of us are special. No, we're all unique expressions of the whole. But that doesn't make us any less part of the whole. That is part of the remembering.
1: I, I, I've talked about this on a few other podcasts. Divine dichotomies are brilliant. There's these things that are truths that seem like they should be opposites of each other, but they work in accordance with one another. Yes. And yes. so what helps me a lot too in this idea of our oneness is we're seeing this right now, life through this perspective. If you're a cell at a cell's perspective... You may look at neutrons, protons, as, as they're being separate. As you pull back to our perspective, yes. you look Beautiful. at a cell, it looks like one thing. There's oh. oneness there. That's yeah. it. If you keep pulling back, and this kind of goes beyond our comprehension, but just keep going back, 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 back. And you can, if you can picture yourself from the perspective so far away that you can see the universe as a whole, then does that look separate? Or does that look like one?
0: Beautiful. That's a, a brilliant way of explaining that. And then you can go the other way right? We went from Newtonian physics, physical, atomic physics to subatomic. And then we went beyond that, to quantum physics and realized, well, what is at the center? And what we found is there's nothing but energy, information, the Akashic field and energy, which is consciousness holding everything. So yeah, you can go macro or micro. If you go either direction, you're going to come up with the same, the same perspective, which is, it is all one.
1: Hmm. And just and the thing is too, and they talk about this in conversations with God, it's like be skeptical about what me and Sebastian are saying. Don't just take this as your right, don't just take this as your truth. Look into this more. And and the best way I feel
0: like ask questions. Say it again. Sorry I interrupt you. I was just say be skeptical, but ask questions. How could yes. this they-
1: I like that? How could yeah, I love that. Because it, it is like ask those questions. Don't just in an instant believe everything that we're saying. And one of the best ways for you to quote unquote test or see if this is something that resonates with you, try it out. Yeah. Try having that thought process or perspective.
0: That's exactly it. That's why I always say that. Just try it out, test it for yourself to see. My students, I always say, test the shit out and see if I'm full of it. Right. Like go test it for yourself
1: like really start to you know and you can maybe use some of the examples that me and sebastian used to help you have those little shifts in perspective so that you can maybe start to think about it in this way but have that thought more th- more often think about us being one about us the universal energy here being love think about that more play with that more as opposed to our separateness our division and see which one feels better for you see what resonates more with who you are and see if you have the thing that we talked about before where it's just a knowing in your heart, not in your mind.
0: Yes. Upgrade your levels of truth. Constantly be upgrading. Yeah. And a lot of swapping out fear for love.
1: That's so much of what it is. Instead of choosing fear in a moment... Choose love. And it's not always the easiest thing. Like I get it. But then again, never the
0: easiest thing. That's- yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: but again, like do that. Try that out. Next time when you're feeling fear, look at that situation with love and see what feels better. Just try it yourself and see if it makes your life experience here better or worse. And then go that route.
0: Yes.
1: Sebastian, how are you? You know, because I talk to someone like you, my first thought and question I think about is like how are you this way in the sense of what are you doing? Are like, what are you doing daily? Are you listening to books? Do you have mentors? Um, are you meditating? Or like, what are, you know, what are the things that you are helping yourself level up and stay at this? I don't want to say stay at this level of consciousness because we're always expanding and we're always growing. But like, is what are some of the things that you do that you can share with other people that can help them see life more through this sort of a lens?
0: Well, I think it's a lot of the things that we've been talking about. Um, Potentially it goes into some unsatisfying conversation, but I, I would offer this isn't my first rodeo. I've been at this for, for quite a few lifetimes, and I'm here for this reason, for this moment. But from a tactical standpoint, it's the things we're talking about. Like I'm sharing things that I've employed in my own life, right? Removing the obstacles. What do I what am I allowing to hold more value in my life than love? Where am I allowing fear to to depict my decisions more than love? Um, You know, garbage in, garbage out. I'm very careful about what I listen to, what I see, what I allow in my body, um, because I know it has an impact. And so I'm very careful about those things, um, where I spend my time, who I spend my time with. My second book is gonna be on attention. Because I think we're living in a society right now that needs to learn to take back attention uh, for the longest period of time. It was easy to not, quote unquote, be distracted because there wasn't a lot going on in our society right now. The, the people who are going to succeed at the next level of the game are going to be those who are conscious of what they're giving their focus and attention to. And so that's important. That's that's awareness, right? Being aware of where am I putting my time? Where am I putting my attention? And then how constantly do you, doing the inner work. Go ahead.
1: I'm sorry. I want you to, how do you feel like you got to a place where you can be aware and be mindful?
0: It's a, it's a muscle like any other. Yeah. The more you practice doing it, the easier it gets, the stronger it gets. Um, so I think it's, it's constantly doing the work, removing if you go too far into the future, you became, become anxious. So I deal with people who are dealing with a lot of anxiety, that's usually an indication they're in the future and usually worried about the future. Um, if somebody's depressed, usually if they describe depression, that's they're in the past, right? They're, they're lamenting something that has happened or a story about something that has happened. And so I just teach them to come back to the present moment gently. Don't judge their wandering mind. Just come back to the present moment. The mind is constantly wanting to wander. What you want to get to is to that which is bearing witness to the mind's thoughts. And so this is something that you can pretty easily illustrate, but most people have a hard time getting to or processing. It's pretty easy for most people to recognize they're not their body, right? As you know, there are people who have parts of their body removed. They're still very much themselves, right? You're, you breathe uh, in an involuntary, voluntary process, but eventually, even if you voluntarily try to shut up breathing, your body's going to go, nope, and eventually it's going to force you to breathe, right? Um, your heart beats without you asking it to, yes, you could get good at meditation, slow it down, or speed it up, but ultimately, uh, until you get to become an enlightened master, you're not turning off your biological mechanisms. They're going to do it autonomically. So you aren't that Obviously, first of all, the fact that you can observe those things happening, tell you that which is being observed is separate from that which is doing the observing. So I know that I'm not my body. There's a logical progression to that. For most people, that one's not as hard, right? It tells you it's hungry. It tells you it's tired. Um, All of the different functions of the body is giving you lights like a car, like a vehicle. The one that's harder for people, specifically in Western society, is the idea that I'm not my mind. Most of us identify very strongly with our mind. And so learning to become more present in the world, I think part of it is recognizing I'm not my mind. My mind, like you can observe your mind thinking. You can observe its thoughts, its processes, its math. Well, again, you can't be that which is being observed, right? Like if you are the observer, you are separate from that which is observing, So the fact that you can observe your mind processing lets you know, I am separate from that which I am observing. Then the question is, what am I that is observing, that which bears witness to the experience of this world? That is the essence of you. And I take people through a process of getting to that person, that personhood or that that witness of. And from that place, you can create here on Earth, right? And there's a, a progression of of consciousness, life is happening to me. Life is happening for me. Life is happening by me, and then finally we get into um, you know, with me or through me. But that is peeling away the layers of um, the autonomic system to come back to that which is witness to all of those things, which is really the driver. If you want to be the driver,
1: uh, just some things that help me sometimes is when I'm not being mindful or conscious, I'm being unconscious and my mind is just doing its own thing. I'll be in that space. And then all of a sudden I'll come back and I'm like, where did I just go? Literally, right? right? And that's it. It's like, and what I'll say to myself is that my mind was just hijacked because that helps me know that it wasn't me who did it.
0: Right. You can see the separation between you. By the way, I'm not even saying that you need to always be present here on earth. Some of our best work is when we bounce, right? And our physical body is able to stay here and function and we can go somewhere else so it's not like you're always fighting to be present nor do i suggest you get angry with or try to resist the mind exploring but it's the recognizing that it's doing it paying attention to what it's doing that's the key you're like oh you just dripped it off all right i need you now come back into this present moment Hmm. right and so without judgment you just gently bring it back into this moment
1: and i I used to judge myself when I would go away and come back and then
0: That's classic and that with that which you resist persists right when you surrender it to what is it will dissipate on its own and there's nothing left to judge but as long as you're still judging it and resisting it it continues to persist And I, I like <laughs> to find like a, a radio which is old school we don't usually use radios anymore But you can tune your radio to all sorts of different channels, and it's picking up everything going on. One of the worst things we can do is unconsciously own thoughts. All the thoughts that are coming through your brain are not yours. We need to own them. right? Own the ones you want, not all of them. That would be like flipping through the radio station and listening to a song you don't want and thinking that's what you are. Like, No, just turn the channel. And so that your mind is constantly thinking and doing, and has lots of exercises in futile thinking. Don't own the thought. It only becomes a problem when you begin to believe the thought. And think about this: when, when, whether it's an allegory or a true experience, when Adam and Eve were in the garden after eating of the, the tree of good and evil, God came to them and He said, "Who told you that you were naked?" In other words, how did you come to believe this thought? How And what he was really asking is, how did you come to believe that you were separate from me? And that's an important thing for people to understand, because God did not separate himself from humanity. It was humanity that separated itself from God. Whether you think the story is an allegory or actually happened, principally, in essence, it's the same thing, which was humanity separated itself from God. God did not separate himself from himself from humanity.
1: Sebastian, did you grow up in a Catholic household or were you Catholic?
0: no no, no I, I didn't um no yeah I, uh, I did grow up um i did grow up uh, my my dad was a uh a pastor but i didn't know him my mom and dad divorced before i uh before i met him so there's probably some spiritual lineage there um uh, but i didn't grow up catholic church and then i as a, when i got older i studied all the major religions of the world I think I have a stack of all of them. I found them all quite fascinating. So I, I, I we're living in mostly a Judeo-Christian culture, so I generally reference the Bible more than others because that's the one that people know. But I'm I'm pretty comfortable in the Bhagavad Gita or or the Siddhartha or uh, the Upanishads for those who like to go more into Eastern religion. Um, the Quran is the Quran, but I can go there for people who would much prefer to wrap um, in that language as well.
1: I mean, pretty brilliant that you've taken a deep dive into lots of religion so you can connect and relate with more people. That's all I see there. I'm like you're just making yourself more of a vessel to be seen and to and to be heard and to connect with more people.
0: and science, which may be offensive to some people, but I think science is its own form of religion, and you know I love science i I'm, I'm I'm interdisciplinary in that way, but i I see them all as part of a whole instead of separate things. So it's just separate ways to connect with people. So some some people, if you talk in the context of spiritual texts, they don't have anything to say, but you can talk to them in biology and they'll listen, right? God is in biology. God is in psychology. It's, it's in all of the disciplines. So you just figure out how to connect with people uh, in the language that they know.
1: And Sebastian, from looking at watching your videos, I know that you look at yourself and you know who you truly are as a spiritual being, not as Sebastian, this person in this 3D world. Have you and you kind of touched on this a little bit before, and it just intrigued me. Do you feel that you, your soul, your being, who you truly, truly are, is meant to be here now, doing what you're doing?
0: Yes, <laughs> That's, forgive me. For, I find that to be a humorous question, but I realize that perhaps it's it's not. Um, yeah, I, I I I most definitely consciously chose to be here at this time in humanity, and I'm I'm very hopeful and excited. As far as I can tell, um, this is at least the third or fourth time humanity has tried ascending, the attempt, the attempt to, to go what I would describe as 5D or beyond. And we have plausibly failed to this point. And I believe we are moving towards that crescendo once again, um, where humanity has an opportunity to ascend. And I, I believe in my heart of hearts that we're going to do it this time. Uh, and I think we've learned some lessons. we We try to use in past lives or, or past the historical times, we used more spiritual technology to create our world, which in some ways, which was, was which was far more in harmony with creation, more in harmony with nature, but was far more destructive because we're literally dealing with the underpinnings of all of creation. Thus, the tectonic shifts. Atlantis disappears into the ocean, Lemuria goes away. We were fucking with technology, scientific technology or spiritual technology that was incredibly powerful, had the ability to be very destructive. So this time around, instead of learning spiritual technology first, we use physical technology, which has its own downsides, right? We're destroying the earth in a different way because we're abuse of physical nature, but it's, it's as scary as nuclear bombs are. They're far less destructive than understanding the underpinnings of all things that make the universe what it is. What's happening now is the integration of spirit and science is going to come together. If we pull it off right, it will come into a balancing way where we integrate and ascend. And I'm very hopeful that we will do that as people remember who they are. And there's a lot of beings dropping in right now for this moment in time because everybody, it's like, get your popcorn ready. Everybody's super excited to see what's going to happen here.
1: Me and my brother, a lot of the times are like, wow, wow. We are, you know, we really dropped in at a really exciting time. And like we are right brave to hop in at this time. Cause sometimes we'll kind of be, you know, you'll be overcarried by or you'll kind of be brought down by the things that are happening in life, war, all this all these things, you know, that are affecting life, quote unquote, negatively. And we like, damn, this is it is a hard time to be here sometimes. And it's like, well, we chose to drop in right now.
0: And 100%. is it, And I dropped a Peter Diamandis dude. I like a lot follow. Uh, He's doing some great work on the earth, but he he posted today uh, just a a quick snippet that he would offer that there's never been a better time to be alive. Um, Just looking at real data. Yeah. Not, you know, we're living in a nihilistic time, which is creating an existential crisis. And so a lot of people, because of a lack of meaning, we have more mental health issues than ever, but from a, Safety and security standpoint for the whole world, just not the United States. It's never been better, right? In in the actual present world. Now we could procrastinate what we think is going to happen in the future and some of the things. And it's not saying that there aren't lots of things we need to be you know thinking about and working towards. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to argue that there's ever been a better time to be alive. I I read a stat that you're three times more likely to die of obesity or obesity related uh, disease than starvation currently wow um, which is a crazy thought which isn't me saying we still don't have food scarcity or food insecurity issues around the world and that these aren't things that still need to be solved for um we still have major issues it's i'm not saying we've arrived we're far from arrival just if you look in perspective throughout history you can't i, I just i tell people to go back like give me real data and go back in time don't go to a single town don't even go to a country. Look at it at a macro level for the world and tell me a better time to be in the world. We take I mean, that. And it's, it's as surprising as it may seem, this has actually been a relatively peaceful time too, which that's hard to understand. But I think if you study history, um, man has been at war 93% of its existence, which is crazy.
1: Sebastian, one of the things I think that you are brilliant at is you'll talk about one thing And I can hear them too, the people attacking possibly that view. And you just gently laying them down and be like, okay, just fully understand what I'm saying here, like with starvation, just because you have a three times more chance to be obese doesn't mean starvation doesn't exist. And as soon as you said that, that's what I thought. I'm like, well, what about, you know, what about starvation? And you're just so good at that.
0: There's a reason you have to solve for the human you're talking to. Most humans have operating assumptions about their world that are provoked when you say certain things. So part of doing the deep work is being able to see the 360 degree view of the statement you're making and understand your audience well enough to know that they're going to have hidden objections or things that are immediately going to come to their mind and you want to address them where you can. And that's one of the hardest things. I do a lot of short form content because short form is is big right now. The problem with short form content is context is very often lost. And so there are things that you will say in 30 second clips that could easily be misconstrued or misunderstood. And and some people will take very offensively because they're they're seeing it through a very small filter and a context that's more a projection of their world than what you mean. And so As somebody gets to know you more, then they're like, "Oh, okay, I I understand more where he's coming from because I know the whole person." Hard to do in thirty-second clips, but I thank you for acknowledging that. That's something that um, I think is important in being able to communicate.
1: And like when you said that, Sebastian, I knew exactly what you were talking about. I I, like you know because I watched your videos. I know a little bit of who you are, and I knew that. But I was very appreciative that you that you did say that out loud, just so anyone else who doesn't know you as well could fully understand who you are. And Sebastian, I just want to take 15 seconds to be here right now, present with you and look at you and let you know that I see you and that I hear you and that I myself as well know in the truth of who I am in my heart and my soul, not in my mind, that I am here also to spread love and help awaken people. Yes. And it's feels amazing to look back at someone else and be connected in that moment. Um, So I just appreciate who you are, what you're doing, and it just feels incredible to be aligned with someone like you. So thank you, buddy.
0: Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. I've enjoyed this conversation immensely.
1: Love it. Me too. The last question I'm going to ask you before we cut out is what I ask every guest. And by the end of the podcast, every guest has essentially answered this question, but it's really nice to hear it in your own words being asked. So literally my goal, dream in life is to help shift the collective consciousness of the planet to a place that's more loving, peaceful, uh, understanding, um, where we're not judging each other, where we're accepting, and where we fully embrace and understand our oneness. Helping shift that way. So Sebastian, how do you feel like... Every single day you are helping contribute to that sort of a shift in consciousness,
0: well, beautifully said and and um for word economy, I would say that that is that is my mission that is my reason for being here is simply to help assist in elevating consciousness um, by helping create the conditions necessary for that to be possible for most of humanity. Um, but it always starts with you, right We talked about two of the three illusions there's there's three. The illusion of control, the illusion of specialness or separateness, and then the illusion of duality. Duality is a fucker because it's actually a useful construct um, on many levels. So it's a hard one to surrender, but also an important one uh, in the end. But it always starts with you. Right? The greatest gift you can give anybody is your own personal development. You have a to the 10th power ability as you elevate consciousness to support that elevation in the people around you. And so a lot of times you see people are very cause-driven, you get more focused on other people being the change than being the change themselves. Change is always an individual job, it's an inside job. All we can do is try to assist in creating uh, systems that support that growth and change in others. So I'm always very concerned when we try to create laws to force change. Um, laws ultimately are an expression of the morals of a country, not the enforcement of or the the, the intention to change the morals of a country. You're in bad shape if you're trying to force change on people, right? Your laws should be a reflection of how people show up in the world to support those morals. -hmm. You see a lot of this. We're solving for stupid every single day with the laws and legislations that that the legislation that's being passed, instead of educating and developing people. And so, for me, the answer to everything is education. And I've I've traveled around the world, and the difference between most countries is education. It's information. They don't know any better. They literally don't have a different way or a better way of doing things, Mm -hmm. including in the United States. And so, from that position we can be loving and supportive. And so my heart and my mission is to first live it and then mobilize, equip, and train, right? Live it first to the best of my ability and nothing. We are perfectly imperfect. And I don't mean that as a trite statement, but I'm still in a human body, having a human experience. So I don't claim perfection, Um, but I'm constantly in pursuit of or asymptotically approaching perfection in the sense of always doing your best, right? Which is another one of the four agreements. So living it first and foremost, and then teaching others how to do it. Mobilize, equip, and train. And that will the the rest of my life uh, will be spent in different forms doing that through influence and impact.
1: Thank you, buddy. That was beautiful. Um, And I just couldn't agree more. It's always with us. It's not even like getting to a state of consciousness where we're not punishing that person for murder. We are getting to the root of who they are and the consciousness of this planet and healing that person so that murder doesn't even exist in their consciousness.
0: Yeah, man, that is so hard for people to understand. Um, But that's exactly it. You deal with the root of the problem. You seek to understand the individual. Otherwise, it will continue to grow back. It's like if you don't deal with the roots of problems, they just keep growing back. And that's why we've seen it over and over and over again in our society.
1: Mm -hmm. And it's just so true. And we've talked about this on the podcast so many times. It's us. It's each individual one of us. And sometimes when I'll get frustrated that the world isn't changing fast enough for how I want it to be, it's like, I can't control that. Just be the best version of myself that I can be. That's literally the best that I can do.
0: Yes. And I'm a huge proponent of social responsibility, which is a You know, loosely, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party in the United States are opposite sides of this coin. One, the Democratic Party is generally one of social responsibility. What is society's role in taking care of the individual? Loosely, the Republican Party is what is the individual's role or the person's role and responsibility in taking care of themselves? And the truth and interdependence is, as it normally is, in the middle, right? Right. There is a personal responsibility aspect of it, and there's also a social responsibility aspect of it in the collective. The issue is you're not going to get to social responsibility without personal responsibility. You can't. And that's so for me, fundamentally, I am far more in the camp of teaching personal responsibility Because that becomes the foundation that builds social responsibility. And you see programs, agendas, movements that are built on social responsibility that have no undergirdings of personal responsibility and accountability, and they collapse inevitably and are highly ineffectual because without discipline, without responsibility, without accountability to the individual, not the individual projecting that on others, no change is possible.
1: That was perfect, man. Ah, That was so good. Sebastian, that was awesome. Before we cut out of here, can you please let people know where they can find you online, where they can find your content, where they can find you as a coach, all that good stuff, please.
0: I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, I'm on uh, all major platforms. I'm not as active on all of them. It's like you kind of have to pick. I don't know how to, I don't have enough time to, to be as active on all of them, but I am on all the major platforms at Sebastian Ingus uh sebastian is all a's my name gets misspelled quite a bit but it's s-a-b-a-s-t-i-n um so you can reach me there i'm most active on instagram and tiktok if you want to dm me it's best to do that on um, ig that's the one i'm most active on there youtube we're getting into that more for those who are looking for long form we just uh, we're about to launch the sebastian show uh which is going to be uh one of probably three segments i to be doing podcasting. So I'm excited about that and bringing on guests. And Justin, I'd love to have you on at some point once we get rocking and rolling with it. Um, and then we launched Quantum Academy in pilot um, at the end of last year. We're going to go full launch in April. It's going to be a group coaching platform. We're going to be doing events and a lot of group coaching for those who are interested in just development and growth. You can check that out. Any of my links or my website. You can find that information. But uh, that's where I'm focused on right now. Impact and influence and giving people the tools to be effectively present in the world while being productive, right? It's both. It's not one or the other. And going back full circle to the beginning of our conversations, we generally have doers, but we have beers. And there are very few people that know how to do from being. And and we're here to be productive, not just to hang out and snivel a wine about how things should be. Right, and so that means learning how to take those gifts we've been given—the spiritual technology and the truth—we understand that and use that to create a better world. And so, for those who are frustrated with capitalism or the capitalist system, create a better business, create a better economy. Don't just snivel and whine about it. For those who are frustrated with the state of marriage or the state of education, create. Don't just bitch and whine about it, right? And that's where the I, I pick on the spiritual community a lot because there's a lot of people in the woo-woo community that talk a big game in their understandings of spirituality, but they're not too interested in actually taking action. They're, they're all up in their fields. And so we got to mobilize, equip, and train and take that technology in the way that we know that the world could be and create through that understanding, not just sit and wait for someone else to do it.
1: And it's like this, I, this it just connected with me. The spiritual world is a place of being, but of we came to this physical 3D place to experience. and. 100%. Right. And to be and active,
0: that, there is a doing, but be, do, do from being Yes, I a lot of people that are doing unconsciously, but they're just, they're chasing and you, you consciously create from being, that's where your power comes from. And that's, that's how we're going to change this world and which is the work. That's why we're here. This is, this is schoolyard earth. And mm-hmm. it's when we're able to employ, bring that from the unmanifest, the spiritual world into the manifest. Everything is created twice. Everything. It's first created in the unmanifest, then it's created in the manifest. So that's the being translated into doing.
1: Sometimes I you know, will think in terms of manifesting, in terms of quantum physics, all those things. It's like with my thoughts, my mind, I can shift around all these things to manifest and be created for me. And then I'll really have the deep realization that it's both. Yes. If you can be spiritual and productive in real life in this 3D world... You're going to manifest that thing even even
0: faster. You're going to be unstoppable. That's the game.
1: Because I've listened to books where it's like you can't just not that you can't. I don't say you can't, but in books where they talk about you know when you're just physically moving through things, that time span can just take a lot more because there's a lot more matter that actually has to move through time and space. When if you are right being in spirituality and manifestation, it can just come. But it's it is
0: both. It's always both. There is a law of action that is involved in it. And that's an important to understand the law of attraction got a lot of steam in 2007. I think it did a lot of good for people to help them understand a deeper. That's a spiritual truth. There is a spiritual principle at work there. Unfortunately, the seekers and the the heavenly minded, not physically good people then go, Oh, I just sit on my couch and everything happens for me. And I know a lot of people who are in that camp who can't run successful businesses, even at their best attempts. They don't run great organizations because they don't know how to do. They just be, right, without doing. And so they're not actually getting good at their craft and learning actual skill sets. They think I just get in alignment and everything just happens for me. And it's said, no, bro, first you get in alignment and then you go into action. Measure twice, cut once. Measure twice, being, cut once, doing. So once you come from a place of being, doing changes. The action changes. You got a lot of headwind, but... The problem is you still have to be disciplined. You still have to be accountable. It does mean you're probably going to have to push yourself at times. And sometimes it's not always going to be comfortable. And sometimes that doesn't, you know, that doesn't resonate. That message is not one that someone want to hear.
1: Yeah. And it's just, it's always end. It's just, it's to me, it's always end. So it's being and doing.
0: Yes. But being Sebastian, first.
1: Yeah. Sebastian, I could literally talk with you for hours and hours. I appreciate you well, so much. Yeah, for sure. I would be honored to be a guest on yours in the near future. I'd love to have you back on mine because there are so many more things that we could dive into and talk about. But I just want to be here with you in this moment, give you all of the love and gratitude and appreciation for who you are, how you show up in the world, how you lead by example, the message and the work that you are doing. I, it's hard for me to describe how much I believe in it and how grateful I am that there are people like you creating this sort of a shift in the
0: world. So thank, thank
1: you. And There's more coming online. Yes. Cool. Go check out Sebastian. I mean, the, the wisdom that Sebastian dropped in this podcast episode is just a tiny sliver of the content that he puts out there. So go check him out. Thank you so much, everybody, for being here, being with me and Sebastian for this incredibly special episode. We have so much love for you, and we cannot wait to see you next week. Take care of everybody. Sebastian, man, I love you, buddy. Thank you.
0: Appreciate you, brother. Talk to yep. you soon.
1: See ya. Bye, everybody. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please like, follow, share, subscribe, whatever you can do to help share this with the world. We put a lot of energy, effort, and time into creating this beautiful podcast with these incredible guests to help Bring more awareness to the love that exists all around us. So if you can help spread some love, we'd really appreciate it. Love you.